So I'm going to start in verse 2. I'm going to start in, in, in chapter 9, verse 2. And then I want you to be looking at verse 1, and I'll go back to it. There's a lot here. Uh, we'll try to cover at least some of it. Um, Pastor Mark said I went a little long uh, yesterday, uh, so I'll try to trim it up a fuzz. But I want to make sure that you get the, uh, the content of everything that is here today. So... This is a prophecy 740 years before the birth of Christ. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, let's think about this. So we always read 6 and 7, and you read Isaiah 7, 14, and maybe Micah 5, 2, and all these different things, and you should. That's part of the Christmas story. That is the Christmas story. But there's a lot of stuff in here that probably never gets taught on at church just for probably time factor. Maybe maybe it's a little better setting for a Bible study, if you will. So I'm going to try to do both here at the same time and, and make some sense out of it. Uh, but know that the problem that they had back in Isaiah's time was darkness, sin, and bad leadership. And bad leadership will make everything dark and sin-filled. It's just a matter of time. And, you, and you've seen some of the things out there that, that end up under bad leadership. It either becomes blighted or irrelevant or whatever. So we always have to go back uh, to truth. We always have to go. Is anybody out here besides me? I mean, it was, I'm like, uh, well, what are you talking about? So you'll all, anytime, you're ever, anytime you're ever working with somebody or counseling somebody or helping them out in their life, Always take them back to the book of Genesis. Always take them back to the book of Genesis and, and read a chapter or two and you'll find out what God's plan was for mankind. Amen? So you always just go back to the truth and that's where you start. A lot of times people want to dive off into some of these books. They have no idea what it's saying in there to try to find their answer. And, and, the, and the answer is in there, but it's a lot more simple if we would just start out at the beginning uh, of of God's plan for mankind. But nonetheless, here we are. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So this is prophecy. It's a prophetic word about Jesus to come. And these people living in darkness, so there's many hundreds of years that we went through all this stuff and the, and the heavy yoke of sin. Uh, and they're talking about Jesus to come. It says, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Now close your eyes and just think about this just from your own perspective. When the scales fell off your eyes. Now open it. When the scales fell off your eyes, when you, when you got it. When you got it. You remember when you got it and you know people who you're witnessing to to this day. And you can look at them and know they don't have it yet if they don't have Jesus. They don't understand the word of God. They don't understand prophecy. They don't understand the movement of the Holy Spirit. You can tell them. You can look at them. And, and you can just know in your own spirit they haven't got it yet. Say that with me. They ain't got it yet. It's okay. They'll, they'll get it one of these days. Same way you got it. Uh, and God was very patient with you. I got to be honest with you. And me. So that's part of sanctification. It is, it's a process. Sometimes it's a painful process. Sometimes it's pleasant. But nonetheless, the desire of sanctification is to get less flesh, and he has to become greater. And you can find that in John 3.30. John the baptizer himself says that. And if, and if the greatest man ever to be born among women says that, what does it say for me and you? That's what John the baptizer is described by as Jesus. 
It says, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, they have rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest. So they're, they're saying that this is going to be it's so incredible, it's going to be so joy-filled, it's going to be just as joyous as, as, the, as the day of a harvest. And, and if you're thinking it from an agricultural term like the, the Bible is written in, uh, the farmers are really excited when they have a great crop or a great yield or a great hay crop so they can feed their livestock and stuff like that. That's what this is talking about here. Amen. Uh, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden. So he's talking about the burden that is laid upon the shoulders of, the, of God's precious people. Uh, is sin and darkness. So Satan tries to laden you with sin and lies to keep you from the light of Jesus. But if you let the light of Jesus in your life, it'll push back the darkness. Amen. Uh, just keep going with it and, and just let it marinate on there, right there. Uh, and it says, you have broken as on the day of Midian. So I thought about this for, yes, uh, for a little bit yesterday when I was studying and I had the perfect scenario yesterday as I was studying. I was in, in my chair, and I was finalizing the message, and I was down there next to my wood furnace and had some hot coffee, had the Bible, and that to me is a perfect Saturday morning. I can't think of anything I would rather do than study the Word of God. So I'm sitting there, and I'm studying this. I'm thinking about, well, what does he mean the day of meeting? So he's talking about the day. You remember in Judges uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7 when Gideon is fighting the Midianites? So he's fighting... And, uh, and, and where we know uh, Midian is now is in Saudi Arabia. So just take note of that. Uh, so God is telling Gideon, hey, we need, to, we need to be rescued from this oppression of the Midianites. And he said, I want you to be the one to fight all these people. And you might reply the same way that Gideon did. Who, me? Do that just to get it out of your system. Who, me? I mean, we all want to go to church, but we don't want to do anything when we leave here. Who, me? Me be in the play? Me help with this? Me help with that? Me go witness to that person? Yeah, you. And what we do is we kind of double down on this. So let's, let's look at this for a second. So Gideon says, so he, throw, he starts the excuse book. Do you ever get the excuse book out after a while? When God's still talking to you like, God, if it's really you, do that with me. If it's really you, it'll be like, you know, dry today on Sunday. And it's actually raining, so it's not you. Well, I mean, Gideon does this. Gideon does this. He said, God, if it's you speaking to me and you want me to really do this, make the fleece I put on the ground completely wet. But make the, dry, uh, make the ground dry. So he wakes up in the morning, grabs fleece, is completely Soaked, and he, and he squeezes it out and fills up the bowl. He goes, and he's like, and God's like, told you so. <laughs> I don't know if he really did that, but he does that. Doesn't he do that in his actions? I mean, you can look out there now, and you, got, you go, man, I, this has got to be God that's doing this. Because I can't believe these guys are in church today. And then the next day, he says, well, how about if I make the fleece, how about can you make the, the fleece dry and the ground wet? Do this with me. God can do anything. So then he says, he says, get in. He says, I want you. He said, but I don't want you to have the army the size you have it. I want to downsize it in just to about 300 people. 
So what I want you to do is take everybody down to the brook, have everybody drink some water, and the guys who kneel down and cup their hand and drink it like a dog, those three honored, I want those. Because I want dogs for Christ. And that's what he's looking for today. Is he's looking for some real dogs for Jesus. He's looking for guys that, uh, that'll get down and get with it. Because we don't all live in a fantasy world. We don't all live in Disney world, do we? We actually live in the real world, don't we? And God needs some dogs for Christ. And that's what the story's about. So he says, all right, when the Midianites surround you, I want you to take a, a jar of clay and I want you to take a torch and when I tell you to, I want you to smash the jar, pick up your trumpet and blow it and hold on to the sword. And then they all flee and he ends up winning the war. So I'm thinking about this as a jar of clay is smashed and the light of Christ is shining. The Paul depicts us as jars of clay. So when we can get ourselves out of the way, people... And God's delivering this to me on Saturday morning here. When you get rid of self, people can actually see the light of Jesus inside of you. Amen. And they end up winning, they, they end up winning the, the victory, and it's all for Christ. He said, I'll get rid of darkness if you'll carry the sword and keep the lantern lit. Amen? It's basically the same thing he said to Jeremiah. He said, you might have to trowel with one hand and have... You have a sword in the other. Amen? Because sometimes for freedom, you got to fight. Let me keep reading the Bible here. You'll get, some of you will get excited here in a minute. Oh. You have multiplied the nation. I'm going back to three. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest and, and are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of the oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle of tumult. Every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And this is a prophetic word. And we know this is getting ready to all come true because we know the Christmas story. And then he goes on to say, for to us a child is born. Let's read it together. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Stand up. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government of peace there will be no end. So this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Um, but for all you guys that are carrying your Bibles today, I want you to, I want you to continue to be looking at, at, at verse 1 because I'm going to be coming back to, to that and, and, uh, and referencing that as we go on. Let's pray. We'll pray for our offering today. Lord, we thank you for this offering. We thank you this Christmas that we are able to gather in your house, Lord God, and, and, and give back just a little of what you've given us in the form of money. We pray for our joy to be to exceed uh, even what we can imagine, and we ask, Lord God, that you that you help us get through this Christmas season so we can witness uh, to the people you put in front of us. And the hope that we have today is not like worldly hope. And uh, we ask that you 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 bless our families, our children, and our grandchildren at this time, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
So applaud the Lord. Let the basket come by. Let's roll that video real quick. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, please, and we'll start in verse 18, and I'd ask you to rise so we can pray over the message today. Father God, as we get ready to get into your word, I pray, Lord God, that it's not just another church service, that in the, in, in the bowels of this, this book we call the Holy Bible is your love letter to your children. And you want to speak today to your children through this word. Uh, so I pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit to overshadow. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. One more time for applaud on the Christmas <laughs> Advent series. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to be talking about hope and we're going to be talking about love and, and joy and peace and all that for the, the season to come. And it's all kind of wrapped in this, this Advent package that we call the heart of Christmas. So I want to tell you today that the hope that we have uh, in Jesus is not worldly hope. So worldly hope, I, I was trying to figure out a way to describe to you worldly hope. Worldly hope is like hoping somebody gives you a donut or hoping somebody takes you out for dinner or hoping somebody gets you a hot cup of coffee. That's, that's worldly hope. We're, we're kind of hoping. We don't really know if it's going to happen, but it's just kind of, we're just kind of winging it. You're throwing it up there. I hope I get a, you know, when you were a kid, you hoped you got a new bicycle or, a, you know, whatever it is you wish far back in the day. Um, hope in Jesus is like partnered with faith. Faith and hope are like cousins. Amen? Amen. And, and you know if, you're, if you've been around, have Bible very long, we're, we're kind of like family. It's kind of like faith and hope together. They're, they're really almost, biblically speaking, you can't almost separate them. You know, and when people are around each other, I mean, when I was growing up, you could call somebody that was really close to your family aunt and uncle when they really wasn't your aunt and uncle. Move your head if you even know what I'm talking about. 
So back then, you just did that out of respect because you couldn't call them hey like kids call adults now. I was I was somewhere in some I was in I'm always somewhere and some somewhere saying hey to me somebody a three footer. I'll be real honest with you. My wife will tell you I don't respond to hey. I don't respond to hey. When somebody's saying hey to me and it's a child, I don't even turn around. I just don't. I think it's disrespectful. Um, so back to the to the to the faith um, and hope, being cousins. It's kind of like when you're around, maybe even like a church, like have Bible. When you've been around somebody so long, you start to you start to look like them a little bit. When I go somewhere, they say this to me: "That you must go to have Bible. We'll travel." Amen. You guys all look alike. I said, "Yeah, the men are men there, and the girls are girls." Amen. You can put. Don't don't be mad. But that's the way. Biblical hope is, it's, it's partnered and, and looks a lot like faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This, I, here's what I called it, blessed assurance. And if you watched the show on Wednesday with me and Mike, I started to sing that song, blessed assurance. And some of you guys thought I sung like Alan Jackson. <laughs> I love that song. Do you almost vision that sometimes you can sing like the star does. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the world we live in now? You can kind of be anything you want to be. I mean, and I hear these people, these kids want to do, oh, well, you're this or you're that and all. We don't need to get into all that, but I told you my story when I was growing up. Me and my brother thought we was Superman. And we'd, we'd get a, a towel and we'd close pin it on our, our neck and, and we'd jump off the couch. But my dad had to stop us and bring us back to reality when we was trying to climb on the roof and do it. Because although you think you're Superman, you ain't. My wife reminded me of that this morning. Say amen and I'll start preaching. So we do live in a real world, and we do need a real Savior, and his name is Jesus. And, and this prophetic word I'm preaching on today, this hope is, is fixing to come true right now. Amen? So here we go. In Matthew 1, 18, we'll start up there, a couple of verses of where we're supposed to, just to put it in context. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. And I got to explain this because you're going to come across it this Christmas. That some denominations believe that Mary had deity. You, you'll get, see, this is going to happen because there's movies out that are contrary to the deity of Mary and they don't like that. See, here's the deal. You need to remember that Mary was the mother of Jesus, but she's not the mother of God. Amen. Take a drink and I'll get back to you. And she's blessed among women, but she's not blessed above women. Amen. Read your Bibles. 
It's very important we know this because there's only one person who can save your soul, and his name is Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. So be looking for that this Christmas. You'll see a lot of that where people are trying to bend and contort this to fit their denominational narrative. So anytime you try to get the gospel to fit your denominational narrative, what you're doing is extracting the deity of Jesus and placing it somewhere where it doesn't belong. So they came together and she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to look at this from a new angle this year. And her husband, Joseph, being a, a just man, was unwilling. So when it says husband, they weren't quite married yet. A just man, unwilling to put her to shame, revows, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he's a godly man. He wasn't with her, and she comes up pregnant. Somebody ought to say, oh, my. Now, if you're from, like, where I'm from in North County, it, and your girlfriend or your wife or your fiancé gets pregnant, and you're not the guy, you're going to go, dude, I should have never left that guy over there, man. I'm just coming at it from a guy's point of view. You're looking and you go, you know what? There's something really off here. But as the story goes on, you're going to find out that Joseph has so much hope that this Messiah was going to come one day that he didn't know when it was going to come. He didn't know when the, the baby was going to come. He didn't know how he was going to come. He thought he'd be on a white horse and maybe, you know, with all the pomp in the, in the pageantry. And now all of a sudden, the baby is coming and it's inside the belly of his wife-to-be. And I don't know about you, but you can slap my wrist and call me George. I'd went, well, What? She's carrying the Messiah. All your hope has to be in that Holy Spirit is telling you the truth because any other way doesn't add up. As much as society would like to would try to trick you into thinking that other people can become pregnant without a male and a female, it can't happen unless it comes from God. I need God's people to talk back to me today. Look at your neighbor and say, that's basic biology, Jack. <laughs> Can I keep going? I'm about to. I'm about to wreck the whole woke society here in a minute. And I'm going to do it in love just because I think I need to go on a, on a nationwide campaign and go to these universities and preach the truth to these kids so they can get born again. <laughs> See, they're, they're not getting educated. They're getting indoctrinated. I'm going to keep preaching anyways. Oh. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, I told you this, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Well, read this with me and, and make sure that we, we get the, this whole thing right here. And we, One, two, three, go. She will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from sin. That's what Isaiah was prophesying about, Bruce. He said, man, all these people here that are living in Israel got serious issues. Carl, there's sin and darkness and oppression and possession. And it's keeping my people bound and shackled and tethered. 
Some of you guys know what being tethered to your sin is like. It's like having a shackle around your around your, your ankle and you're just dragging it around wherever you go. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys have been off in and, and you just can't get away from it. It just follows you around. And you know what the job of that is? It's to take you down one day at a time. And it's to be so subtle from the enemy that you're going to start to believe he doesn't exist. And you're going to start to believe that you can't live your life without it. But we have hope in Jesus today. Now, I'm going to try to put this together here, so bear with me as I, as I, you know, everything that's legal is, is not moral. Everything that's legal is not moral. Uh, and I think, I think we need a, a message of hope today. I'm going to read this last verse. I'm going to tell you a quick story. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which you guys obviously know means God with us. And that's in Isaiah 7, 14. So you guys have been in some situations where you've cried out to the Lord and you, and you hoped that he rescued you and you, and you hoped that all this would happen. So I'm driving down the road the other day. I'm headed to the farm. I got my truck. I got my trailer, and we're driving down. I got my horse trailer, and I got some fencing loaded in the back. I'm driving down the road, and I'm driving about 56 miles an hour, and we're driving down 364. And then all of a sudden, I go past Goodermouth, and I'm starting to head towards Highway K, and I see a car slowing down. So I start to slow down, and then all of a sudden, they stop on the bridge. So I lock them up, and then my trailer swings around the side, then I let off the brake, and it straightens back out, then I brake again, and I didn't want to hit the guy, so I smashed it into the bridge in the concrete wall. And, and I was hoping that I wasn't going to hit this guy because I knew that I would hurt him and, and it would be a horrible thing. I just remember that. And it played over my mind, boom, 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 back and forth. And I got my son-in-law with me. All of a sudden, things go from bad to worse. We're on a two-lane bridge. I go, God, somebody's going to die in this thing. We come to a screeching halt with my truck it was sideways into a bridge. And a guy runs up from behind me. He said, hey, man, he said, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I said, I think I'm all right. And he said, so what happened? I said, man, a guy stopped on, in front of me on, on the bridge. He goes, where's he at? I said, he's right there. He's up the street. And I don't want to get into a bunch of details and everything, but the state patrol ended up picking him up and found out that he was impaired. Now, I want to tell you something for everybody that leaves here thinking that your sin couldn't cause somebody a serious accident. Are you still here? What you do can affect somebody's life when you go out there. Over and over and over, we preach this all across America. Sin has effects on people everywhere. And it needs to be dealt with through the blood of Jesus Christ and the birth of the risen Savior. And I woke, up the next, I woke up the next morning, I was downstairs, and I started to weep when I was in the basement. My wife said, what are, you, what are you weeping about? I said, I'm weeping for that guy's soul. I said, I'm so glad that I didn't hit him, but I don't know. Uh, he must be lost. 
and I and I and I'll just let you know right now, I'm I'm 100% pro police and pro state patrol. Because I'll be real honest with you, it wasn't for the state patrol getting behind me, we'd have probably got creamed again. So we need to. This is needs to be a church that stands for truth. Our hope lies in the truth. It doesn't lie in, in, in a fantasy world. It might be fun to, to fantasize for just a minute, but here's the deal. We got to tell our friends the truth, don't we, today? So, all that being said, uh, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 4, and I want to finish this message here. And the prophecy, I'm just going to let you know ahead of time, the prophecy starts to come true through in, in Matthew 4. It starts in verse 12. So it talks about this light to come, and it talks about all these things to happen, and, and, it, and it, mentions, it, it mentions Zebulun in the land of Napatha, and that's actually up in Isaiah verse 9-1 that I wanted you to hold on to. And he, was, he, he gave a prophetic word that it was going to come this way. And then I open up Matthew chapter 4 and I read this. This is the first time I've ever read it in this light. And I want to share this with you today. Now when he heard that John, so this is Jesus, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And this is the prophetic word that Isaiah talks about in chapter 9, these these. These villages of Naphtha and, and, and Zebulun right there around the Sea of Galilee. That's what he's talking about. And then it manifests itself in the physical in Jesus Christ at that exact location. Listen to what he says. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtha. So that my, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Napatha, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, and the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? What they talked about 750 years came true and we know what happened because we're reading it in the book of Matthew today. Amen. I want you to stand with me for the last two verses here. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So I'm picturing this, I'm picturing Jesus by the sea, Lord, by the sea of Galilee walking around and him being the light and the lamp for that darkness all over that place. And the hair on my arm started to stand up. And here's what Jesus says. And I quote, repent, in verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what Jesus was doing when he got by the sea of Galilee, he went like this. I'm here. And everything they prophesied about me 750 years before I got here is coming true right before your eyes. And here's the next step. And you can start, Carol. Here's the next step. So right after this, he starts his public ministry. This is where the message gets good. So who does he use for ministry? 
So this guy comes and gets me. I had Pastor Aaron come and get my horse trail, and then a tow truck driver comes and gets me, and, and God love him, I hope he's watching today. I can get down with tow truck drivers. I, I like, I, 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 I got to tell you, I, I got to talk to you. I like, I like a flannel-wearing dude. I, I just do. I mean, there's something about the dude. And I said, I, I said, can I ride with you? I said, my name is, my name's Pastor Pat Nicemith. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Cheeseburger. <laughs> True story. And you guys, you guys got nicknames for all your friends. You got your nicknames. And then he, he looked over at me. He said, look at the back of my neck. I got a big cheeseburger tattooed on the back of my neck. I was like, oh, yeah. We're, we're at home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You was out there somewhere. So it's Jesus. And his wasn't a tow truck driver. His were fishermen. Peter. James. He's calling to me. He said, follow me. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. The most unlikely people in the world. No education. No seminary degree. No certificates on the wall. Just a passion to make things better and a doctorate's degree in common sense. And then, you know, it, it made me think. It made me think about Cheeseburger when I climbed up in that tow truck. Just works day in and day in, day in and day out just to make the place better. Towing cars. And I'm going to be real honest with you, man. That's the most risky business I think I've ever seen in my life. And the state troopers out there. I said, one, one wrong move in the wrong direction by a couple of feet, you could be, your life could end. Is the church listening to what I'm saying today? And it, we, got, we got all these people we've exalted to some position, Burger. It's in some glass ivory tower somewhere where we hold up to be our role models. They ain't role models, man. They're living, say it with me, they're living in a fantasy world. Hey, I, Laurel, I don't live there. I don't, I don't live in a fantasy world. I don't have a church that, that is planted on Fantasy Island. Do you remember Fantasy Island? People used to fly in there to have a, a, a fantasy created. You know the bad part of that show? They had to fly back to their life. <laughs> oh, that was a bummer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it making sense to you? God's wanting, God's wanting some dogs. He's wanting some guys with grit in this church. We got, we got enough Tinkerbells running around. He's looking for some guys that got whiskers. He's looking for some family men. Don't, don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't, 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 don't look at your shoes. God's looking for some 
some guys that got staying power. God's looking for, for dads and, and, and grandpas and, and grandpas that'll tell the truth to their children. You love your kids way too much to lie to them. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray for you today. And what we want to do is we want to place our hope and partner it with faith to believe that this Christmas will rest on the foundational truth of the Bible. And no one can take it away. No one can, no one can argue it away. No one can steal, watch this. Don, no one can steal Jesus out of your heart. Todd, you've been fooled before, but you won't be fooled again. Those who are in Jesus can recognize a counterfeit in a heartbeat. When you set up that tree and you set up that nativity scene and your children and your grandchildren look at that baby Jesus, you can tell them, say, that baby's the savior of the world. No other baby, no other baby in the world. Born in a manger, born in a cave. Came to deliver your family the way Jesus did. And if you want to have a Merry Christmas this Christmas, tell your family the Christmas story. Ah, but here's the deal. It's not a Christmas story for you unless you're saved. And you know what? I struggle with that. I thought about that. All the heathens that are out there in these different places and in Facebook that are denying God, but they'll still celebrate Christmas. They'll still go to the department store and they'll ask their boss if they can take off for Christmas. Somebody needs to help me out. Hey, if you, if you don't believe in Christmas, you shouldn't get time off. You should work double because you're stupid. In the name of Jesus, I mean. Is the church with me today? We're too, we're too, we're too, we're too saved to be dumb. Join me down here. We're going to pray for everybody today. We're going to pray a Christmas prayer. The devil, he's going to be madder than a wet hen when I get done with this thing. Come on down. You can't even believe you made it in church today the way your morning started. You got some good-looking people at this church right here. They're handsome. Got some handsome families here. Aren't you glad you're saved? I got to be real honest with you. I'm going to end with this. I didn't know how my day was going to end with my son-in-law on Friday at about noon, Bertley. 
I, I, I didn't know how it was going to end, but I know I didn't want to hurt anybody. I don't want unsaved people to be unsaved. I want them to be born again. I really do. My heart aches for people who ain't born again, who have to live in that lifestyle that are impaired. That breaks my heart. My wife said, your heart is really heavy for that guy, isn't it? I said, yes. So heavy. Because you've lived like that before, haven't you? You thought that was a big deal. That's a life from the pit of hell. There's no Christmas in being unsaved. Let's pray for them today, can we? You may have a family member that ain't born again. I have no idea. Lord, this Christmas is going to be a little different. We're going to be prayer warriors and, and teachers of truth. We want people to be saved regardless, even if we don't like them, Lord. You called us to love them, so that's what we'll do. And we won't do it on our own accord or our own account. We'll do it because you live in our heart. And I believe that those who are saved, there's enough love in their heart to forgive those who have been mean to them. And Lord, God set this congregation free so they can go out and witness to a lost and dying world. Father God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit moves the same way Jesus moved around the Sea of Galilee. And I pray for everybody watching the broadcast today that they have the greatest Christmas of all time. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody at his church said amen.